You know, we, we did some assignments this week. I think I shared with you last week that there's a, um, a wave of the Lord's presence and, and glory coming to the region. And in, at the beginning, it'll, it'll, it'll simultaneously do uh, three things. It's gonna tear down structures of evil, demonic strongholds of witchcraft that are opposed to the kingdom. It's gonna awaken the church to rise up to be the army of the Lord in that time, and it's gonna restore and renew our cities. So, um, yeah, it's all happening simultaneously. We went to um, seven locations um, to sow into um, what's happening in all 50 states. In all 50 states, there were uh, people sent uh, around um, the states to sort of uh, honor past revivals, um, repent from any iniquity on those sites, and then pray for God's move, open our hearts for new places. So we went uh, the first team went uh, and stood at the foot. We actually, they actually got out of the car and stood at the foot of Lucifer, that nasty horse out at DIA. And they, <laughs> they, uh, they buried the revival dirt from four locations around the globe there uh, and uh, took communion all around the base of the horse and poured it on the ground and just <laughs> bound that thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> We, uh, we went to Confluence Park, um, which is the actual birthplace of Denver. There's a sign there that says, uh, rebirthing the original intention of Denver. And that's actually there. There's a plaque at, at the park, at Confluence Park there. And of course, we did the kingdom thing at that site. We then went to Empower Field. I don't know if you've seen the seven horses that run up uh, to, the, um, to the south gate with uh, their thunder, which is the... Um, um, the mascot for the Broncos. And we saw five horses in the front, the, the five-fold apostolic ministry and the two younger horses behind raising up the next generation for revival. And instead of a horse for the Broncos, God thundering from heaven to release revival in the stadium. So um, <clears throat> we went to Catherine Kuhlman's uh, last location and where Dutch Sheets, Cindy Jacobs, <clears throat> excuse me, Chuck Pierce, um, declared the word of over the 50 states. They declared the word over Colorado from that site. And so we redug re that well. And then we went to Amy Semple McPherson's um, site, which is by the Denver Performing Arts and also Auraria campus. And we prayed for the campuses and the arts community and just women in ministry. And then we went to 17th and Arapahoe and prayed for revival in the marketplace and in the financial district. So it was a, it was a blast and uh, had a great time. <clears throat> so that was good. I actually want to do one family announcement. Um, several of you, um, we had a, a series on stewardship in the spring, talking about stewarding our time, stewarding our talents, stewarding our heart, um, stewarding what we give our focus to, Stewarding a variety of things. Uh, and I think the close of that, stewarding our identity and calling was one of the key messages. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, finances, what it looks like to steward. And several people asked me, so like, what does Bridgeway actually do? And so I actually wanted you to know what we do. And um, we actually give to 38 things as a church. Um, we have uh, seven different funds. Um, there's a 5% high impact city and transformation fund. There's an apostolic fivefold and itinerant ministries fund. There's a denominational root level churches fund, external missions foreign and overseas. There's a parachurch intercessory and city ministries fund. There's internal benevolence and internal mission support. And um, we accrue uh, for that every time tithes come in. Um, most of them, there's one gets 5%, um, the others get two and a half. And um, every time, let's say uh, we had a, a check come in, um, 15, 20% goes, uh, we just accrue it. And it gives, stays in these funds and then we, we give out regularly. So I wanted to share with you where some of this goes. Some of you know that we've had sons and daughters in the house that have been either on staff or members here or key leaders. And we believe in supporting our sons and daughters as they go. And so in some cases, when they planted churches, we're paying salaries or we're doing different things. 
uh, because we just believe that generosity in the kingdom, I wrote down our four values or the sort of the guiding principles. Um, the Lord spoke to us that when we began the church to be generous in our giving. So it's really, it's about obedience first. And he shared that it's because he is a, a radically generous and giving God that as we give, we actually reflect his nature and that we are to think kingdom, give outside ourselves rather than um, retain it so that we can actually make a kingdom advancement and so into what he does. We believe if we sow from the top, it sows life and health for the rest of the congregation. Um, we also felt like um, that we are to give with a faith mindset because generosity um, confronts a poverty mindset and it changes the way we interact with our world. Um, we're no longer anxious and I think it's really important even in a time of shaking that might be coming that we maintain that giving. We did so throughout COVID, even though our tithes went down by 50%, we, we never, we did not stop our giving. We just felt like um, that we would test the Lord in this, that if we continue to um, tithe and above, which we've committed to doing, that the storehouses of heaven would be open to us. And um, so here's where we give. Um, we actually have one, two, three, four, five, six sons and daughters of the house that we give significantly to. Um, Simon Obert is gonna be the new pastor of Church in the City. He's being groomed for that. We are partnering with some to pay his salary while he comes on, and he is going to ultimately take over for Michael and Brenda Walker. And he's in process that's already started. Um, David and Narelle Crabtree are uh, helping found a movement of ministering to leaders around the nation and the globe, and we sow into them. Monthly, we sow into Neil and Brittany that planted a church from here last um, spring, and it's called um, Radiant House. We also sow into Nicholas Barta, who planted in 2020. Um, that's Abba's Table. Um, we sow into Janine Rodriguez, who was here a couple of weeks ago, and Dan Yakely, who was here last week. Um, both, all of those were sons and daughters of the house that were continued to just be committed to. Um, we sow into our apostolic relationships. So that's um, Bethel uh, Church Reading. It's, it's the Bethel Leaders Network. Um, we sow into Global Mission Awareness, which is Leif Hetland, who will be here. We sow into Iris Ministries. That's uh, Heidi Baker. She will be here. We sow into a Global Awakening. That's Randy Clark's ministry. There are some others. I'm just reading highlights. In the city, we sow into Confluence Ministries, which is Jude Del Harrow. We sow into Mile High um, Ministries and Open Door Fellowship, um, which is an incredible ministry uh, downtown. Uh, 13th and sort of Logan and Colfax area uh, around there. We sow into Nehemiah Global, one of our own here who, who ministers uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of tons of food across the city. Uh, Transform Denver, Heart for the World uh, Christian Center. It's, a, it's an African-American church in Aurora. Um, Alternatives Pre Pregnancy Center. Um, there's a variety of others in the city. Um, we actually sow into the charter school down the street to help buy backpacks for kids. Um, we sow into a variety of missionaries overseas and we show into short-term missions. If you ever go, there's an application where you can do that. And then internal benevolence, some of you may not know, but if you can't pay rent, if you can't pay um, utilities, there's a car breaks down, whatever it is, we can, as long as it's a legitimate expense that we can document, uh, versus just a, a gift of cash. Uh, we can sew that out and um, um, we do that regularly. And, and so I just wanted to let you know that's we're very committed to it. And um, that's just a snapshot. There is actually 38 we give to and I, I don't think I read 38, but I just wanted to give you highlights. So I'm actually gonna ask the Lord to bless those that we're sowing into right now. So Lord, I, I thank you that you will bless these sons and daughters these mothers and fathers who help oversee the house. We, we, we thank you for those ministering in the city that are doing the works of the kingdom to advance the gospel in Denver and the metropolitan area in Colorado and around the world. Lord, we bless these individuals, these ministries. We, we, we know these guys, we trust them. We ask that the kingdom would advance, Father, and that many, many things would occur through their lives and through their ministries in the strong name of Jesus, we pray this, amen. 
Our books are open, by the way. You can always see where things go if you ever want to see in more detail. But I just, I just wanted to report on that. And in addition, we'd, we'd, offered, um, we'd t- offered an opportunity to give to a building fund. We, with interest rates going where they are, we, we wanted to pay off the balloon payment that will be due in 2026 here. Um, we only raised about a third of what we were hoping to raise by just, uh, just throwing out the word. So we're actually uh, increasing. We currently pay 7,000 a month extra uh, and it will increase to eight and then nine over the next few years to actually pay that off. We don't want a seven, actually it'd be about a 9% loan commercially on about 600,000 in debt. So we're actually accelerating payments for right now, doing that in faith to just um, get the building paid off so that we don't have a big obligation that, Nine percent. So, just wanted to give you an update on what's happening with that and our commitment to uh, steward well our finances here. So, thanks for listening. I appreciate that. So, um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking from this pulpit. Um, Janine's kind of started a little bit uh, talking about shaking, and uh, then I I followed with a message last week. If you haven't heard it get online, listen to it. We actually have two things now on our website uh, um, where you can hear the full, um, full service, like from worship all the way through the end. Last week it would have been Dan's word to the church and some individuals. And then uh, you also just have the snapshot of the sermon. Um, we'll also be getting a podcast up so you can listen to that shortly to just review that if you need to. Um, what we've been talking about is becoming a person of peace in times of shaking. A person that brokers the peace of heaven when things around us shake. We've been talking about the tsunami wave of God that is gonna bring a a refining fire and holiness to the church. It's also going to sweep out the trash and the iniquity of cities. And at the same time, it's gonna restore and rebuild the kingdom. It's, It's about a revival move and revivals in history are always preceded by the cleansing work of God. So it's, it's both a scary time, but a great time um, in, in the sense of what God is doing. Um, we've also talked about the purpose is to refine the sons and daughters of God so their true identity as bold lions would rise up and uh, take their place in the unfolding plans of the, of the Father. Uh, the other is to just rebuild and restore and root out um, structures that are opposed to the kingdom. So I think I've said enough there. Here's what I've been thinking about. Um, yeah, we, if you haven't heard last week's message, it was in Hebrews 12 predominantly, and we had a, an acronym called the High Wire of Trust um, that gave four, those elements, the eight letters in High Wire, gave us sort of how to respond to that. But I've been thinking about where to, 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 to go in the coming weeks and months. I've been praying about it. And um, oh, I should have brought one from my, my kitchen. Um, I had a red cup out. I forgot to bring it. But um, red cup stands for something. It stands for refining and empowering disciples. And cup stands for Christ uprooting perversity. And I believe it's, it's a season of that happening concurrently. There's a refinement on the church and, uh, and there's an uprooting of things that oppose the advance of the kingdom. And God will take care of his church. He is jealous for his bride. That word that was read earlier was absolutely amazing about um, the Lord saying, the only way this ends, how was it, um, is, in your, is in my victory and your revival. Um, I, bet, I fight for my betrothed and my bride. And my, my love is consuming and this time of testing shall pass and you shall pass the test. I mean, it was very encouraging to just hear how that was. And it's interesting, the song that uh, we ended with today, uh, All Honor, it's called, it's, it's from Jesus' image, Our God is a Consuming Fire. Um, the, the issue of consuming fire in scripture is it both purges evil and it sets the church ablaze for him. And it's, uh, it's irresistible, a consuming fire you cannot prevent. And so um, right now across the body of Christ, we're hearing words about this. So here's what I felt like. I've been trying to debate the books and I think I'm gonna preach from all three. I felt like we were gonna have some exegetical pre- preaching. Today is a topical message, but then I'm gonna start in 
one of these three books, and I think it's in the book of Revelation. But I've got Joshua, the Old Testament book of Joshua on my mind, um, because that is the advance of the church into taking kingdom territory that is housed or that where God is displacing evil structures and establishing his kingdom. I'm thinking of Revelation, especially because it purges the church and it tears down evil. And I'm also thinking of the book of Isaiah, which talks about the Messiah, about his first coming and his second coming. And so this could take a while um, uh, to get through those. Um, I won't do like two verses at a time. I'll probably do a chapter or half a chapter at a time at some of these. But I feel like it behooves us to actually hear what the Lord's saying because I think it's, it's a time where the kingdom is advancing. He's sifting and judging the churches like the, the seven churches in the early chapters of Revelation. He's shaking on the earth and then Isaiah is so clear about what God is gonna do to reign in victory. So I have never preached through Isaiah before. Um, I have... Uh, preach uh, through Joshua and parts of Revelation. So it's gonna be kind of fun for me to unfold that. So um, next week, uh, we have Teresa Dedman here, but the week after, I'll be in Revelation chapter one, if you wanna know where we're at uh, to get ahead of reading. So, um, okay. Let me read a couple of scriptures to set the stage for this. Um, the picture I want you to have is that there's a wave coming and the first portion of the wave destroys what's evil and sweeps clean the iniquities of cities. At the same time, the army of God rises up in the midst of that in boldness and in courage, taking her place in the kingdom advancement. And behind that is the restoration of all things. So I wanna read uh, from Isaiah to start this. Let me see if I've got the right spot. Um, nope, that's in Joshua. Um, well, let's start in Joshua, and then I'll read Isaiah. I put some bookmarks in so I could find it. Sorry for, uh, is, it, is that Levi on the, uh, yeah. So I'm in Joshua chapter one, verse two. And I'll read through about verse 10. At nine, I want you to listen to the hour about what God is saying about the church arising right now. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, I'll, I'll, I'll skip the territory because I'm applying it to today. So the promise is the old generation has had its day. The new generation of trans, transformational leadership has arisen. And God says, arise courageously for I am giving you the land. Past tense, it's already been given to you and every place that you tread your foot is given to you. And he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land on which I swore to your forefathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all that's in the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, which is the word which means to speak forth in one's mind continuously that you might observe to do all that's according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I just wanted to read that to declare the Lord is with us in this time of advancement. And no man, no opposition will stand against the purposes of God. They will be established. The next one is in Isaiah 60. And this is, 
I realize I'm taking them out of their immediate context, but I'm applying them today in the spirit and the intent of how the scriptures were given. This one is a word about Jesus, but also the church that carries Jesus inside of them. It says, arise and shine, this is Isaiah 60 verse one, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you and the nations that would be the Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see they gather, they all gather together and they come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea, that's a metaphor for nation, shall be turned to you and it shall go on, it goes on from there. In this time, the nations are gonna start looking to the glory that's gonna arise on the church of Jesus Christ. That as we honor Christ, he is the center, he is the one that's on the move as we look to him we are transformed by looking into the face of Jesus. And as we do that, the nations will notice the light on us and they will say, I don't know what's going on with you, but I need what you have. They will see what it is and what will happen is the nations will abandon their wealth, if you will, the things they've depended on and, sit and rush towards the church that's carrying the glory of the Lord. It goes on in Isaiah 61, Similarly, Jesus says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they that were broken and captive will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. And they, that is those that were broken and are being restored by this wave, shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the desolation of many generations. Strangers shall feed from your flocks and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. And you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God and you shall eat the riches of the nations and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of shame, you will have double honor instead of confusion. Um, they shall rejoice in their portion of that victory. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. So the Lord is also saying that he is going to heal the brokenhearted, restore that, and there's a, a, there's a wave of his shaking that will deal with judging things so that the righteous can be restored and they can rebuild ruined cities. Do you hear how Jesus announced this at his inaugural address in Nazareth? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He, started, he spoke this in his hometown and read the first uh, three and a half verses and stopped short of the day of the vengeance of our God. But as we're approaching his second coming, the end times, that day of the restoration, the renewing of the cities, the restoration of, of those things is, is drawing nigh and God's shaking of the iniquities of the earth is beginning to emerge. So I wanna go on in Isaiah 62. Again, you'll notice these are about Jesus and Israel, but I'm applying them to the church of Jesus Christ right now. There's multiple fulfillments of prophetic words and scriptures that are given. For Zion's sake, this is speaking of the people that, that hide out in the stronghold of the Lord, God's people that dwell in the shadow of the wings of Almighty. I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness 
and his, her salvation is a lamp that burns. And the nations shall see your righteousness and the, all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And you shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor your land be termed desolate, but you shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, which means married, essentially. Um, you shall, uh, for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married by the Lord. Finally, Isaiah 64 O Lord, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. As the fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations will tremble at your presence when you did awesome things for which we did not look. You came down, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by their ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits on him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways, but you are indeed angry when we've sinned and in these ways in which we continue and we all need to be saved. So the refiner's fire raises up the church in power, but it also takes our own iniquities. It focuses us. It's a scary thing to fall into the hands of the living God and the fire, but it's a good fire. I want to read a couple more. Do you mind? I'm just going to read scripture for a minute. And I'm going to read something that's happened, that's something else that was shared. So even if you want to receive these as these scriptures are read and say, Lord, I receive it. Like in a moment of impartation, like either, you know, in Israel, they stood when they heard the word of the Lord. Or you can just hold your hands out and say, Lord, let that be. This is out of 1 Thessalonians. I felt like I was to read this one. Um, it's calling the church to rise up and wake up. Brethren, chapter five in 1 Thessalonians, verse one, concerning the time and the seasons, brethren, I have no need that I should write to you. In that day, it was obvious. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape the shaking of the Lord, is what it's implying. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons or daughters of light and sons of the day. We are not of the light, night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let those of us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also are doing. Finally, Matthew 3. Verse 11 and 12. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. That means the winnowing of the chaff from the kernel of wheat. He will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor and gather uh, his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In other words, when Jesus comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and he will sift out the wheat of 
or the chaff of your iniquities, and he'll burn it up with fire. But the kernel of life that remains in him will flourish. I had a dream one time, and I won't share with you the whole dream, but I remember it so distinctly. I get very seldom God dreams, but I got one. And in that dream, I saw a fire raging through a forest and all of the dead trees, all of that which was broken, mangled on the ground and dead was consumed by the fire. And as it was going, everything that was green, the flowers popped out, everything that was green actually came to life as the fire burned the broken stuff. And that's a picture of the consuming fire. It both cleanses what needs to be cleansed, but it renews and brings life at the same time. So I want to read something. I was just thinking, um, sometimes I listen to uh, sermons on the week or a podcast, and um, I'm going to read something in a minute, but I just want to say this. Before God comes with a revival move, he always precedes it with a cleansing fire. He comes, uh, he returns. It's like the spirit of Elijah that comes to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the father. I didn't read Malachi. I should probably do that. Um, I'm gonna read it later. But he calls the people back to the Lord to serve him wholeheartedly because it's those people that God's gonna use in the coming revival. Those are the ones that will restore the broken cities. Peter was sifted as wheat by Satan. Jesus prophesied it, but then in the same word said, when you're restored, feed my brothers. And he becomes the apostle of fire in Acts chapter two. But he first had to be sifted as wheat to come to an end of himself so that he realized everything comes from the Lord, it's not from my own strength. And when that happens, the fire fell on Peter and the 12 and the 120, and a city was changed. The world's been changed since that time. I wanna read something that um, Krista Smith, she's been here with her husband, Sean, but she was preaching at Bethel uh, Church on Sunday night. It happened to be on the Sermon of the Week. And I, I just did a quick audio recording and transcription of the initial part of a word. I should probably play it. Maybe that's the way to do it. Um, she says it better than I could. Let me find my phone. Gwen, my phone is under that um, announcement sheet. I'll pull it up on Bethel TV. I'll give you the audio of it. Um, You guys good? You with me? Are you okay? B-E-T-H. There's my app. Give me a second. I wasn't thinking this, but here we are. So Father, we thank you for your refining fire. We've said yes to you today. We sang about it for the last two weeks. We are, we welcome your presence. starts that word by saying God is raising up an Elijah generation 
to stand in the gap to release holy fire to the world that desperately needs him. It was Elijah that stood up when the nation was apostate and Jezebel had, Ahab had let Jezebel rule and there were all these prophets of Baal and Asherah in the land and they had become syncretistic and Yahweh had been married to the culture of evil and, and Elijah stands up on the mountain and says, whom will you serve? Which God do you serve? Do you serve their God or do you serve Yahweh who rules in heaven? And so the story of Elijah is found in 1 Kings 17 and 18. And what happens is the nation is apostate and um, Elijah comes in that hour to actually do something. First of all, he's going to declare a drought on the land and he's going to be supernaturally provided for by the Lord. And then he's going to reverse the drought when the nation repents. But here's what a a spirit of Elijah, because it says in Malachi, that in the latter days, that there will be the spirit of Elijah shall rise up, and I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest I strike the land with a curse. I'll read that in just a minute. But the idea here is when the spirit of Elijah comes, the people of God that are ministering that, John the Baptist ministered in that, and right now God is raising up the church to minister in the power of the spirit of Elijah. And what that looks like is we declare what God is doing in the midst of adversity. So Elijah starts that way. He says, there's going to be a drought on the land because you are worshiping the Canaanite gods, the gods of the land, the gods of fertility, the gods of finance, the gods of the storm, the gods of rain, all of the false gods, and you're worshiping them thinking that's whom you trust. And so the Lord of heaven is going to cause a drought so that that which you trust will be shut off. And in the midst of that, I will take you by Cherith Brook and I will provide for you the ravens, which is evil, shall actually provide food for you and you will eat and you will drink from the book. And when you're... When that dries up, you will go to Tyre, which is outside Israel, and a woman who is destitute, a widow who's about to die, will actually provide for you through all of the time of the drought because I will provide for my people. And when the time comes, he calls Ahab and and, and get, assembles all of the false prophets on Mount Carmel, which looks out over the Jezreel Valley, which means, by the way, God sows. It's meant to be a valley of blessing, a valley of God's marriage to his people, a valley of God's sowing righteousness. And instead, it's become a nation of iniquity. And on Mount Carmel, all of the prophets of Baal are there and Elijah is there. And what happens is, um, you know, Elijah says, look, you guys do your thing. You do your sacrifice, build your altar. You pick the prime spot. You pick the prime animals that are here. You decide on the sacrifice, and I'll go, I'll go second because he's fully confident my God will be able to do what you guys can't do and your gods will fail you in. So they build this altar, which is like symbolic of this three and a half years of drought with men made human stones and they put an altar on there and they end up slashing and cutting themselves from morning till night, but their gods, their false gods don't answer and save them. The fire doesn't come. The test was our God who answers by fire. He's the true God. And all of the nations watching this. And so they slash themselves and the God of fire, their their God of gods of fire never come and consume the sacrifice. And so Elijah taunts them. Where's your God? Is he on vacation? Has he gone to the bathroom? Why has he abandoned you? Why is he not answering your prayer? I mean, he's just like literally... And he says, all right, now, and he rebuilds the altar of the Lord. That's where it starts. It's actually the altar of the Lord in the church that needs to be rebuilt in this hour. And so he rebuilds the altar of the Lord, and the altar of the Lord is rebuilt. And as it's rebuilt, he then puts a sacrifice, the wood and the sacrifice on top of that, and then he gets the most precious commodity in all of Israel, which is water in a three and a half year drought. And he takes the water and he says, pour it over the sacrifice. So they drench it. And he says, that's not enough. Let's do it a second time. And they take another bucket 
and poured over the stones and then they fill the trench so that the trench around the altar is completely filled with water and it's doused by, by, by water. Now, part of that is a statement is nothing's impossible for our God. We'll make it difficult for him, but nothing's impossible. And so Moses prays a simple prayer and says, now may the true God of fire fall down and the fire is, you know the story, literally falls on it, it consumes. Remember, he's an all-consuming fire. It consumes the sacrifice and the wood and the stones, it says, and licks up the water in the trench. And of course, the nation says, Yahweh is God, Yahweh is God, Yahweh is God. And the evil prophets are taken down to the valley of Jezreel where God is supposed to sow and they're killed. That's the spirit of Elijah. So he prophesies what God is going to do, then calls for a spirit of repentance. And then in the latter part of his ministry, when Jezebel gets the better of him, he kind of has his moments. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna be taken out, flees to the mountain of the Lord, which is the right place to flee, by the way. Here's the still small voice that's not in the fire, that's supernatural, the rocks, the wind, all those things. And in the still small voice, God speaks. He says, look, there's, there's 7,000 that have not bowed to the knees of Baal. And you're not alone in this. And I'm appointing a successor, his name is Elisha. And he will carry your mantle for the next generation of the move I'm about to do. And you're going to anoint Jehu who will throw down Jezebel and establish my righteousness in the land. That's the spirit of Elijah. And then it says in Malachi, let's read that. Hopefully I put a marker in there. Chapter three, I'll read a few verses. Verse one, the first one speaks of John the Baptist. That would be the messenger Then the Lord whom they seek, this is Jesus. Behold, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. That's the priesthood. That's us. We are a royal priesthood, a kingly generation. He will purify the priests of the kingdom and purge them as silver and gold that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. Chapter four, for behold, the day is coming like a burning oven and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be as stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn upon them, says the Lord of hosts. They will leave neither root nor branch, but you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. And it closes the book with verse five. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the earth with a curse. So it's speaking of a refiner's fire that comes to actually cleanse the church, the priests, so that we can stand in righteousness and the son of righteousness will have healing in his wings. By the way, that's the woman that had the issue of blood for 18 years. When it said, could I just touch the hem of the garment? It's the, it's the Hebrew word, kanaf. Could I just touch the wings of the prayer shawl of the Messiah? And I know that I will have healing when I do that because that is the nature of the Messiah. Amen. And the church is divinely protected. Did you hear that? I, re- I skipped some of chapter three that says your names are written into the book of life and he hears your prayers and he remembers you and he stands on your behalf when this refiner's fire comes. So there's a generation of John the Baptist type of people that are preparing the way of the Lord by walking in holiness, by living like Elijah that are full of faith, understand who the Lord is and they will announce what God is doing. 
They will also call people to repentance, but it starts with our own hearts and it starts with God's ability. It's Jesus that sends, that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You can't get yourself healthy. The fire of the Lord can. And the promise is your dross will be burned away, but the power of the Holy Spirit will give you life. Let me explain for a minute the, um, what the refining process looks like. In the first step, ore is taken and it's broken into chunks um, so that the metals that are inside the ore can actually be exposed. So they crush the ore and it's crushed um, to the size of about a pea or something like that. And then it's put into a smelting pot where it's heated so that the metals start melting away from the rock and they come away from that, they're actually extracted. How many of us have been crushed a little bit to see what's in our lives and to allow the pure, purity to come out? Yeah, there's a hand, that's good, there's several of us. So part of the shaking crushes initially, but it's for the purpose of gold and silver that can serve the Lord. And the second part is the, the ore is, uh, it, it's heated to a certain point and the lesser metals actually burn off while the gold and silver, which are heavier, remain. That's interesting. It burns things because God is overseeing the process to make sure that the gold and silver is not touched. But that which is not pure is burned first. And what happens as this increases is it floats to the surface of the liquid metals as dross. It's called impurities. And the, the, the refiner would skim off the impurities and toss it away, sometimes refined a second time so that only what was pure remained. And so it would be heated again, hotter and hotter. It's repeated at higher and higher temperatures and it was usually repeated at least seven times. So the refiner's fire comes in waves and it comes to actually remove all of the impurities that exist in our life and he does one layer at a time until he removes those things. Is this making sense? The refiner would watch closely to make sure that the silver and gold did not burn away. And the gold and silver, which was the most valuable, was what remained. It's interesting, Job said this, but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. We're gonna go through the fire, but we'll come out pure. I know it's a sober word in some ways. It's been sober the last couple of weeks. However, it's about an army that's about to rise up and release the kingdom to take the land that God has already given. Got to keep that in mind. Here's another one. When you pass through the waters of affliction, I will be with you. This is Isaiah 43. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They got in the fire, and one that looked like the Son of Man got in the fire with them, and there was not even smoke on them when they came out. And their adversaries actually fell into the fire and were killed as they tried to put the guys into the fire. It's picture after picture that God will preserve the church in the times of shaking. But we need the son of man in our fire. Just like he said to Joshua, fear not, I will be with you. Every place you tread, I will give you that territory. As the kingdom advances, Jesus said, lo, I'll be with you even till the end of the age. But we just said yes through the song that Kara sung to the refiner's fire. Uh, it's, I pulled off some verses from like some original songs on the refiner's fire. Um, this is an old one from the vineyard. Listen, I mean, this is the verse. Sounds, it's, and it's, it's to such a sweet melody. It's like, oh yes, Lord, yes. You know, purify my heart. Let me be as gold as precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold. Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire. 
is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. And then he goes on. It's a great song of surrender, but you don't actually realize that that fire is not particularly pleasant when you start. Here's another one. This is Matt Redmond's here for you. Um, Let your breath come from heaven. Fill our hearts with your life. We are here for you. We are here for you. To you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy. God, let your fire fall down. Let our shout be your anthem, it goes on. And the thing is, you, you know, let your fire fall down. So we ask in these gentle songs for the fire to fall down, but when it comes, um, it's, and do you know why, do you know how the, the, the refiner knew when the gold and silver was ready? In the pool, in the crucible, he would look, or he or she would look into it and they would see the image of his face in the gold or silver. So it's, it's the image of Christ being shaped in us that God wants to draw forth through the, re, through the refiner's fire. So actually, all of you want that. I mean, you do and you don't, right? But it's like... <laughs> You want to look like Jesus. You want to smell like Jesus. You want to move in the power of Jesus. You want to be a reviver like Jesus. You want to do what Jesus did, and yet it takes refiners to bear his image. He's going to take out the dross and the impurities to actually cause you to shine like gold so that the glory of the Lord might arise upon you, and you can be the restorer of the breach, right? And this is happening in the midst of what's gonna shake the world. You're actually being refined into glory, the image of Christ. You've gotta keep your eyes on that as things shake. Remember what's happening. It's about your glory. It's about your future. It's about your promised land. It's about what God is doing in you and will do in you. And just like Krista said, it's an hour where God is raising up an Elijah generation. I wanna give you, I wanna close with this, three ways to sustain yourself through God's refining fire. You ready for this? The first one is submit to the process. Kara already sung it. I read you some choruses from other songs that have been written. Brian Dirksen wrote the first, Matt Redman the second. We say yes to your fire, Lord, because we want to be holy. And I thank you, Lord, that you are attending and watching over the fire so it's not too hot. And you're not, you're only burning out that which is not in your image and everything else can spring to life and receive your glory. Boy, that's a good word right there. But there's a process. And what that means is, when God fingers something, I have to hear his voice and say yes to the Holy Spirit. Last week we read in Hebrews, once again, God is speaking from heaven. Do not refuse God when he speaks. So when he fingers something, and I actually gotta be honest, Gwen and I spent time at my at our date this week, and I was telling her a couple of places in my life where I am out of whack with the intent of the Lord. And I'm like, I need Jesus to get in this area. And I realized that is I am going to submit to what he wants to say about that because I can't actually fix that. I actually need Jesus. Like, hello, who doesn't? Peter got sifted three times as wheat with the chaff of his life exposed out of fire of all things. You remember they were in the fire in the courtyard? I mean, hello, what a prophetic picture. Denies the Lord three times, then God restores him. And as he restores him, he's caught a miraculous catch of fish. He's reminding Peter of his destiny, of his word. God never gave up on Peter, even though he said this. And he says, now go to Jerusalem. And the fire falls on Peter of the Holy Spirit. And he preaches a sermon that saves 3,000 on day one. 
So the outcome to all of this is amazing. It's, it's incredible. We need it. Um, so we are gonna submit to the process. The problem is in our trials, we start asking what have we done wrong and uh, we fail to look at what God is doing through it. We tend to get overwhelmed by it instead of what's God doing at work. This is how James said it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So Lord, we just declare we will submit to the refiner's process in our lives. We submit to the shaping and the shaking that will make us sons and daughters of revival, that will make us an Elijah generation, a Joshua company that will come in carrying in humility a spirit of repentance and will be able to literally call on the presence of the Lord and watch the the walls of opposition as it did in Joshua chapter six fall down flat because God's presence is at work through our lives. The second thing we do in this, the first one was this, submit to the process. The second is trust God who is the refiner. Now that's really hard when the heat gets turned up. <laughs> Lord, I don't like this, I feel ashamed. My relational circuits just turned off. <laughs> and I'm, I'm fighting, I'm flighting, I'm freezing, I'm fixing, rather than resting in the goodness of God and full at peace. My relational circuits are off. My spouse is paying the price for that. My friends, my workmates, everyone's freaking out because I've lost it. (laughs) Have any of you been around people when their relational circuits are off, when they're afraid? Hello. It's not very fun. That's why we do these classes on relational and emotional health. By the way, um, Brett and Marlene are doing another class. They're gonna be Three seminars, one in September, one in October, one in November. Um, We are committed to that process of relational emotional health. Uh, We may need it in in the times ahead. And I can tell you, my wife was my greatest witness here. I lost my emotions this week, didn't I? I got, I got sad. One of the big six, you know, you get angry, you get afraid, you get this, and I got, I got overwhelmed. I think I was overwhelmed. And I verbalized overwhelmness. It wasn't very fun, was it? It wasn't bad, but it was, you know, what it. Good thing she loves me. We're in covenant, so it's, it's like, it's the deal. I would just say this you could trust the refiner because he's in the fire with you. Think of the picture of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He is in the fire with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the rod and staff of the chief shepherd shall be with me. Surely his goodness and mercy shall pursue after me. That's what the word follow means, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm quoting Psalm 23 portions of it. He will set a table before in front of you in the midst of your enemies. It's the picture of what God will do as he shapes the church. Why are you so downcast, my soul, within me? Put your hope in God. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 37, commit your ways to the Lord, delight in him, and he shall give you the desires that he places in your heart. Wait on the Lord, and he shall cause you to rise up with wings as the eagles, right? He will renew your strength because the refiner is about making you soar like eagles. The third thing, so I'm sorry, I kind of went off on a rabbit trail. First, submit to the process. Secondly, trust the refiner. Thirdly, lean into prayer more fervently. It is a time to be intimate and to pray. It's time to ask the Lord, Lord, I need your help with my calendar. 
Lord, I need your help in my marriage, or I need your help in my job, or I need my help, your help in those people that, that rail on me. I need your help in my health. I need your help in my finances. Lord, I, I give up trying to fix. I give up my freeze mode. I give up my fight mode. I give up my flight mode. That's what you do when you're relationally triggered. You flee it, you fight it, you try to fix it, or you just freeze up. All of those are bad choices. Rather, we return to joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It is Christ who heals us. It is God who is good. And I can endure hardship well because I know how to return to the joy of the Lord. And I can act like my true self without my relational circuits triggered. And I can remain relational at all times. Let's stand. Here's a scripture on this last one, leaning into prayer. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans in our inner man. Holy Spirit, we even ask you to help us in our prayer life. We ask you to rejuvenate our prayers. Refine your church and empower your church so that we may be disciples that change the world. And we thank you, Jesus Christ, that you're uprooting perversity for the sake of a kingdom revival that will change our cities and prepare the way for the Lord's return. If you don't know Jesus, you're watching us online. It's 1144. That's a great number. 11 is the, the sign of transition from the fullness of trials in 12 to the government of God. In, or excuse me, fullness of trials in 10 to the government of God. And 44 is I'm for you. I'm for you. In the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4, God sent his son that we should no longer be slaves, but that we should rise up as the sons and daughters of God and take our place in the kingdom. So Father, we just welcome your fire. If you don't know Jesus, right now is a good time to say, Jesus, I need you. You're the son of God. I welcome you into my life. Forgive my sins. Would you come? Would you dwell inside of me? I want to repent for not following you. If you've backslidden from the Lord, this is a good time to get right again and say, Lord, I have wandered from you. I have not walked in your ways. I repent for my ways that have been astray from the truth. I want to come back to you today and I come back to the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus. Would you rescue me, Jesus? If you've done that just now, I'd love to see your hand that just says, yeah, I'm coming back to the Lord. Or I've said yes for the first time. I'm just coming to the Lord. There's several of your hands going up. Bless you. There's several. Awesome. Thank you. For the rest of us, I'll make a declaration that says we receive the refiner's fire. But here's what I want you to do. Eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Ears tuned to the Holy Spirit. Moving in faith, hope, and love in the midst of your refinement process. And trust that God is going to make his image shine through you. It's no, it's no, you remember during COVID, Carrie Job and her husband wrote um, The Blessing. It was an anthem for a generation in COVID. Right now, the anthem is on Jesus' image. Our God is a consuming fire. Krista Smith just said it at Bethel. If you don't hear it, it's all around the body of Christ. This is the agenda in the body right now. And our answer is yes. So Father, we say yes to your refining fire. We ask you for grace to be able to stand, like it says in the scripture, as the fire comes. We say you can burn up everything in our lives that's not in alignment with the good pleasure of Jesus. 
that's not reflective of the image of Christ in us. Lord, we, we, we choose to not fight the process or run from the process or try to fix what's broken or just to freeze up in discouragement and depression. But we ask you for grace to be relationally connected to you that we might find joy in adversity. We might find faith and hope and love in the midst of the shaking around us. And we trust your word, God, that you are raising us up as the image of Christ, image bearers that will carry your kingdom to the world around us. And so, Lord, we again are saying yes to that process. We welcome it. And Lord, I thank you that there's a community here that will be for each other as they go through the fire. And I thank you more than that, that Jesus, you have their hands. It's in your strong name we pray, amen. All right, let's give the Lord a hand. I know these last two words have been pretty sober, but I hope you hear the Joshua arising the victorious church in it. It's kind of this weird thing where it's like, whoa, that's sober. And then, wait a minute, I gotta stand up. I'm gonna be like, yes, sir, I'm in. So don't lose sight of that. If some of you would like prayer around this, make your way to the front. If some of you are looking for healing, we're gonna have our team come up. But we'd be glad to minister to you. I just felt like a corporate release. You've all said yes in your hearts. And um, may God strengthen us. We're, We're looking forward to seeing Teresa Dedman here next week. If you've never, we're gonna have three artists on stage next week. I assume they'll be dancers. If you've never watched what happens when the creativity of the Lord is released, um, it's gonna be a fun Sunday to just watch what happens. So we'll see you all next week. Again, we'll invite the ministry team up and uh, if you guys could face out or have people that need some prayer, just come on up and uh, stand in front of one of these and they would be glad to pray with you. God bless you, we'll see you next week.